morning that uh, you're here and it's warm and it doesn't have any pipe bursts. That's another key thing. Did anybody uh, have to call the plumber in the last couple of days? Let me see your hand because my hand is up. All right. Anybody else join with me? All right. Uh, we're glad though that uh, we are here in a, a warm place. I know we've got a couple of you that uh, are without heat and uh, I'm glad that the Lord is providing for you, but uh, this is that cold snap and, uh, but we're welcoming you here today, and we're glad that we can be together with you this morning. It's good to see different ones with their family members here, and uh, we're looking forward to spending about an hour together just uh, celebrating this day that uh, lands on a Sunday. I think it's about every 11 years this happens. Uh, you know, just fun facts to know and tell that you got to have when you're in a ministry like this, but we're excited to be able to celebrate with you here today. One other item that uh, we also want to make sure that you're aware of is we are observing communion this morning. And uh, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and are welcoming uh, the opportunity to fellowship with us in that, make sure that uh, you get one of these. If you walked in and didn't get one on your way in, that's not a problem. Our ushers will be coming back through later on, right before we do this together. And uh, they'll be more than happy to supply that for you. So uh, we're looking forward to doing that towards the end of the service. So make sure that you're aware of that. As we come together today, and not taking a lot of time in announcements, but I hope that uh, you picked up one of our our bulletins and programs there this morning, uh, today and next Sunday, uh, because next Sunday is New Year's Day as well, we will be having what we call here Big Church Sunday, and that's where our kids are in with us, and uh, so there's some other activity going on, maybe in a pew near you, and uh, if you see a busy mom trying to get the coloring sheet passed down, hey, take the crayons and look for the way to help there a little bit, all right? But uh, we'll look forward to doing this this Sunday and the next Sunday. There is nursery provided, uh, but uh, this is a way for us to welcome our children in, let them see what the adults get to do every Sunday morning as well, and it reminds them that they're part of something that they can look forward to. So as we go into today, uh, remembering that uh, today is Christmas, so I want to, from our staff and our home, our family, wish you a very Merry Christmas and uh, hoping that uh, you have a great day today and time together. I want to mention a few that that are a few details. Uh, Starting in January, on January the 8th, that's the second Sunday in January, there will be a bunch of new electives beginning. Kelly uh, normally would have sign-up sheets, but uh, those will be available next Sunday. And uh, this is a way for us to just kind of get an idea of the rooms and locations and things, especially in the borrowed facilities like this. And uh, so if you're interested in a specific elective, they're listed there in the bulletin. And uh, you can also communicate with uh, Kelly O'Rear via email or text, and he can fill you in on any other details about those if you'd like. Uh, Those will be beginning uh, on January the 8th, so make sure that you're aware of that. Uh, So today, just an hour, there's nothing uh, after this. Uh, The next Sunday, same schedule, uh, coming in together at 11 o'clock, and then also, uh, again, nothing that uh, we will be doing after that, no discipleship hour. Everything begins back up again in the new year on January the 8th with uh, the schedules both in the morning and the evening. So uh, make sure that you take note of that and enjoy the time. Uh, with family, with friends, or just simply kind of relaxing, and at the same time appreciate being here today and these adjusted schedules when uh, these events happen on Sundays as we have them this year.
want to continue just to ask that you pray for and uh, be mindful of some different ones. As you'll notice, our missionary this week uh, are the, the patents serving in Hungary, so reminding you of them. But also, if you'll notice up in the prayer requests, uh, continue to pray for Brant Holiday, uh, one of those that we support, and, uh, and he has had some, a knee replacement. The Pimentels, who uh, they serve in our Spanish ministry, are down in the DR, where uh, Jensi is from, and spending time with his family, and uh, so be in prayer for them as they'll be away for the next few days. And then there are those special giving projects that attached to that are the prayer requests, the different needs. And uh, we continue to pray for the Faye de Leon's, Jimmy passing away just recently, and uh, continue to pray for them and uh, Holly and the children, and uh, continue to ask the Lord to give them strength. And we'll continue this project for a while longer uh, as a way of just continuing to support and encourage them. So I just encourage you to uh, be thinking about that. Same with McDowell's, the Ukraine. And then there are some specific projects down in the Dominican that uh, we'd like to be able to help with. And uh, so those are some ways for you to contribute and to give uh, if you're able to do so. You can do that online. You can do it here. There's giving baskets in the back and uh, there's ways to do that. You can go onto our website and see ways to contribute to these if you have a desire to do so. Well, there's others that we're praying for, and uh, so I hope that uh, you'll make sure to look through that and uh, these different ones with some different needs there and uh, rejoicing what God's doing in their life to bring health and strength, and uh, Lord willing, uh, see them in a, in back with us here soon, many of them. Well, I'd like for you to, if you would, let's stand together for just a moment, and uh, there's a verse that we've been looking at, kind of helping our hearts be mindful of the season that we're in here together. And we enjoy the opportunity to take God's word, bring it here to the forefront, begin our time of worship, and uh, letting God's word settle our minds and our hearts, our thoughts. And this verse is found in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 2. It talks about the promise that comes and what we really celebrate today. And uh, so appreciating what God has given us as an opportunity to do that here on this Sunday. And if you would, I'd like for you to join with me as I say this verse together. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light, and those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. We're going to have a word of prayer and ask the Lord to bless our time together here this morning as we begin our worship time, and I hope that our hearts will be encouraged throughout their time together. Father, we're grateful for this morning. Lord, we know that there are many that are away from us and uh, those that are celebrating with uh, family members in distant places, and I pray, God, that you would bring protection, especially in those areas where uh, this winter storm has hit. I pray that you would just give them safety. Lord, I praise you for the gift of your son and the, the opportunity we have today to celebrate and to cherish what is ours in the person of Jesus Christ. And I, I thank you for a season in which we can begin to anticipate what will be coming. And that begins us on a journey as we march towards and through the life of Christ towards an event that will happen in the springtime as we, again, we celebrate, but Lord, a very sobering celebration, a time when Christ would die for our sins, but not stay dead, would again rise from the dead and give to us that promise of eternal life. And Lord, as we think about uh, a baby that is born and the gift of life, uh, the beginning really of our earthly experience, Lord, I'm grateful though that uh, this was not your beginning, that you've been since before the time uh, the dawn of creation. And Lord, I'm grateful that you came though encased in flesh so that you could take our place and die our death and become for us our Savior. So I pray that you'll help us as we celebrate you today and reminding ourselves this is why we get together every Sunday is to appreciate the news of the gospel. 
And so, Lord, we pray for those that are struggling in this physicality. We pray for those that are enduring what really the, the, the challenge of that fallen condition represents. And Lord, I pray that you would just encourage their hearts today and grateful for the release that one day will come as we get to celebrate you in eternity. So bless our time and make this a, a great day as we come together and remember, uh, Lord, the person of Jesus Christ. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. What child is this whom lay to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Whom angels greet with anthems sweet while shepherds watch are keeping. This, this is Christ the King whom shepherds guard and angels sing. To bring him, Lord, the babe, the son of Mary. So bring him incense, gold, and myrrh, compassant king to own him. The king of kings salvation brings, let loving hearts enthrone him. This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him, Lord, the babe, the son of Mary, the babe, the son of Mary. Thank you, Roman, uh, for starting our worship service, and appreciate that. Appreciate uh, Roman and his his heart in singing and music and ministry. Uh, the scripture says, and the angel said to the shepherds, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And we're thankful this morning for Christ's uh, coming to earth. We're also thankful for his death and the resurrection and the hope that we have for eternity. Amen. So would you join me as we continue to worship and stand with me and let's sing together this morning the birthday of the King. In the little village of Bethlehem there lay a child one day and the sky was bright with a holy light. 
night o'er the place where Jesus lay. Alleluia, oh how the angels sang. Alleluia, how it rang. And the sky was bright with a holy light. Twas the birthday of the King. Was a humble birthplace, but oh, how much God gave to us that day. From the manger bed, what a path has led, what a perfect holy way. Alleluia, oh, how the angels sing, Alleluia. bright with a holy light twas the birthday of the king oh come all ye faithful joyful and triumphant oh come adore him oh come let us adore him oh come let us adore him Christ the Lord sing choirs of angels sing in exultation oh sing all ye bright hosts of heaven adore oh come let us adore oh come let us adore him Christ the Lord yea Lord we greet thee born this happy morning Jesus to thee adore him oh come let us adore him oh come let us adore him Christ the Lord thou art worthy thou art worthy Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, 
with me go to the gospel of Luke chapter 3 and then go ahead and find a passage in Romans chapter 5 and we'll be looking at that in just a little bit. I'd like to begin in Luke chapter 3 looking at a couple verses here. We've been in the series for the last few Sundays in December on the character of Christmas and uh, looking at some different individuals some different ones that uh, kind of, in my mind, help us to appreciate the character of Christmas. The characters, but really what's at the heart of it, what are these people's lives representing, and thinking through this thought. In Luke chapter 3, I'd, I'd like to just go over to verse 23 and notice a couple of things here as we then take this and ponder a thought that comes really as a springboard over to Romans chapter 5 and look at something there in just a minute. But he begins this genealogy, and he begins with it this case. Instead of in Matthew's account, he begins with Abraham, and he works his way to the person of Jesus Christ. Here he begins with Christ, and he works his way backwards in time. And Luke records in verse 23 of chapter 3, he says, When he began his ministry, Jesus himself was about 30 years of age, being as was supposed the son of Joseph, the son of Eli, the son of Methot, the son of Levi, the son of Melchi, the son of Janai, the son of Joseph. And I'm not going to read the rest of those names, A, because they're really tough. But second of all, just there's a lot of names there. And the point, though, is I want to go down towards the end of this section and go to really verse 37. The son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, the son of Jared, the son of Mahalel, the son of Canaan, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the Son of God. And thinking through this this morning, thinking through what we see is this relationship of Jesus to all of these earthly characters. It's a storyline of humanity that's given to us. And everything about this, beginning with one who was really created In the conceived mind of God, God then creates from that conception a person who would be known as Adam, looking at his life. Before we get into these things, let's have a word of prayer and let's dive into some thoughts here this morning. Father, I pray that you will 
help us this morning to appreciate as we take now the opportunity to open your very word. Well, I'm grateful for this book. I'm grateful for the contents that has been pressed upon so many platforms in the digital age. And Lord, in every place we go, we have access and have the ability to read your word to us. Lord, languages, the different ways that you have expressed yourself, you have summed them up in the words that you wanted us to have and to hold on to. And I'm grateful for that. And so Lord, as we open your word this morning, I pray that you would open our hearts And Lord, I pray for every person that is here that first of all, they would know they have a relationship with you as their God. Lord, may we celebrate what Jesus has done for us and appreciate what this day represents and the plan and the purpose that you've had even before the foundation of the world was ever laid. So speak truth to our hearts this morning and may you be communicated well. And it's in Christ's name we pray, amen. So we wish you a Merry Christmas. It's a neat way of summarizing the joy that is anticipated in a day like today. And in these past few Sundays, what we've been doing is we've been looking at the character of Christmas and with each of the people that we've looked at, we've tried to see them in relationship to Christ, to angels, to the plan that had been foretold in Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, if you're not mistaken, you maybe don't recall, but it says thus, it says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. And so really from almost the beginning of time, we find that there has been this promise. There has been something that was going to happen and it would involve something to do with the seed of woman, the seed of the woman. And so A few Sundays ago, we started with Mary. And with Mary, we focused really upon her humble submission, thinking about her and that way that she responded to the angelic messenger who came and bare the news to her that you're going to have a child and you will name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. And we talked through her response in that And the realization is that she, in a very humble way, submitted to the plan of God, knowing full well what this would do to her character and to her reputation as a person that's tied to the plan of God. Last time, we talked about Joseph. And with Joseph, we talked about his patient love. Here is a man that, as one who is a spouse to a woman who is supposed to be his bride, had to wait, and he waited long enough to be able to let God use him and his plan for the purpose of being the, not the biological father, but the adoptive father. And in that patient love he had for this child, was willing to take him to Egypt to escape the wrath of a king, was willing to bring him back when God had promised to take him into safety, back into the land, and became, for what all accounts, would be known as the father and that's what Luke is saying here in in verse 23 he is supposed this is the son of Joseph but we all know that this was a little bit different twist on the story all of these pertain to a role that each had in the fulfillment of God's plan to introduce himself into the world and so this morning we come to another character of Christmas and today I want to look at a character that is mentioned in the story but may not be as obvious. And today I'd like to talk about Adam's redemption. It's in the story. He's part of the process. 
He's mentioned in the genealogy. He's given credit for his role that he played even from the beginning of time. And you come to this in verse 38, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. And it is through this line, through this process, man's hope. And for that, I'd like to go over to the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 5. And we're going to look at the Christmas story from really more the lens of how Paul would look at it. If he were to think about the, the concept of Christ coming into the world, being introduced into the world in a place, in a way that connects him with everything that began the journey. Why did Christ have to come in this way at this time for this purpose? And Romans chapter 5 helps us to understand that. In Romans chapter 5, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained an introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand and we exalt in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing the tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also exalt in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Paul then puts a therefore statement in verse 12. Everything that we've read from verses 1 through 11 it would be more of what we would think we would hear on a, maybe a Good Friday or maybe an Easter Sunday as we re remember and we reflect upon the cross and the sacrifice of Christ. But notice what Paul does here is he takes this and he says, now there's a response to all of these things that is upon us to appreciate. There is something that brings us to bear upon these, these truths, this, this re relationship of being helpless, now we are hopeful because of Christ. Being dead, we now have something that gives to us life because of the death of Christ. And he says in verse 12, therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For until the law, there's this parenthesis now that he goes into in verse 13. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. And therefore, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the transgression for if by the transgression the one of the one, the many die, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. 
The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from the one transgression resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions resulting in justification. For if by the transgression of the one, Adam, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So then as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, even so through one act of righteousness there resulted justification of life to all men. For as through the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. The law came in so that the transgression would increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. To think of Christmas and to miss Adam not this Adam, but the first one. To lose sight of the fact that Christmas is all a result of his failure would be to miss the whole point of Christmas to begin with. It's much like what Paul would also write in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 45, where he says, so also it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul, and the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. You see, Adam is mentioned in some really interesting places throughout Scripture. Adam's name is used in 19 different verses, sometimes a few times different, about 21 times overall inside of Scripture. You have the obvious places. You go back to Genesis and you find his name mentioned, obviously. You got him in the genealogies. You have him in the first few chapters. His name comes up inside of Genesis a few times. But where his name comes up in the other places are really unique and interesting in how his name comes to bear. For example, in the book of Job, in Job 31 and verse 33, where Job says, have I covered my transgressions like Adam by hiding my iniquity in my bosom? Or where you read in the book of Hosea, verses 6 through 7, it says, For I delight in loyalty, as is God speaking, rather than sacrifice, and the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. But like Adam... They have transgressed the covenant, and there they have dealt treacherously against me. In the book of 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul uses the creative order of Adam and Eve to make some stress points as he's talking to that church there, especially through Timothy. In the book of Jude, it refers to Adam as something tied to a presence, a, a plan, a purpose. There is no escaping the character of Adam throughout Scripture. You find his name in unique places, and there is always this sense of it being tied to a failure to do what was necessary at the moment that was right, to hide in transgression, to try to escape from the purview of God, to look to escape, but always be inside of transgression, always to be encased with the identity of sin. There's no escaping this person of Adam. His fingerprint is literally left on all of us as the offspring that came from him and his descendants. And we are all left with what he did to us as humanity and the need that we were all born with, that we needed a savior. I want you to notice with me some thoughts that Paul uses here and offers for us in Romans chapter five about this contrast between Adam the first and Adam the last. 
and to think about it in this time of Christmas to appreciate why it is that we truly celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ to this earth. Notice with me, first of all, the first Adam's gift of disobedience. This was Adam's gift to us, that he chose to do something in his disobedient act that would forever condemn us as his descendants. What a great gift, amen? In verses 12 through 14, back here in Romans again of chapter 5, he talks about these things and he mentions them, again, this contrast, one man's sin entered, death through sin, death spread to all men, all have sinned. He goes into that parenthetical thought in verses 13 and 14 about this understanding of the law, and he introduces a a really interesting display of how man in their situation, until the law came, there were some things that God kind of overlooked and he endured, but when the law came, it interrupted man's ability to say that they are no longer accountable. From Adam, we find that what we gain as a gift is his gift to the world was death that was wrapped inside of condemnation. In verses 16 through 21, we, we see this back and forth, the contrast the, and, and, and so forth. It is, it's not a comparison, really. It's more of a sharp contrast where what we find in verse 16, the gift is not like that which came through one man's sin. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from the one transgression resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, through Jesus Christ, the free gift arose from many transgressions resulting in justification. And you see him do that in verses 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Christmas was necessary because of the gift that we had all been handed at the dawn of time. And this gift was the result of the first Adam's failure to walk in obedience. Adam had only one thing that he was required to do. He was to take care of this earth, subdue it, and inside of that there was the opportunity for him and Eve to populate the earth, and this was his his one task, to be a steward of everything that God has handed to you. But there was one negative, one thing to refrain from, just don't eat of one particular tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's it. One thing. Have you ever told your kids just one thing not to do? And they're all just like their great, 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 no, I don't have time to get all the way there, grandpappy Adam, aren't they? Because all day long, all they can think about is that one thing that you said for them that they could not do. Well, why? Why not? And I love how in the story in the book of Genesis, Eve even adds to the command, don't look at it, don't even touch it. I have a feeling that was Adam's adding on there. Eve, stop, don't don't even touch it, Eve, just leave it alone. And in that moment, what they pursued and what they desired more was something that was not theirs to have, and that was the glory that belonged only to God. As perfect as they were, they were not equals with God. As sinless as they were, they were not equivalent to the righteousness even of God himself. He stood distinct as creator to creation, but yet in one moment, in one attempt, they desired something that did not belong to them, and in disobedience, they sought to have what only belonged to God. They wanted to share in his glory. The curse fell upon all who would come after. 
And we all suffer as a result of this condemnation upon all of humanity. Okay, I just got to share the story. One day, my wife had to take one of my kids out. I think it might have been Micah, who he's hiding back there in the sound booth. And he got to the end, almost to the out, and he said, pray for me. So if you have to take your kids out and they offer that same plea, we will pray for them as well, all right? The significance of Christmas was the name that was given to the little child. You see, Adam was a life created in perfection but refused to follow the directive God had given to him and to Eve. And what happened? Peace was destroyed. Chaos ensued. Thorns began to grow. A tree was barred from access, the tree of life. The ease of service was now concrete hard, and suffering was what mankind would become bathed in. Separation became the norm. And even between the man and the woman, a hostility would be planted, and mankind was marked for conflict. Death came. But hope was born that night so long ago in the little city of Bethlehem. And as this passage and the one that's found in 1 Corinthians alludes to Adam was being a type, a a foreshadow of one to come, as we find here in verse 14, nevertheless death reigned from Adam unto Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is the type of him who was to come. You see, Adam was the first But the last Adam would one day come, and Christmas was that day. Notice with me the second thought that Paul offers here about Adam, and not only the first Adam's gift of disobedience, but second of all, the last Adam's gift. In verses 15 through 21, as we've already read those verses, and for the sake of time, I'm not going to reread those, but to imagine what they bring to light and what they shine upon it as he goes through and he marks how Adam's failure, Adam's sin brings condemnation, it brings death, it brings guilt, it brings all of these consequences. But in the last Adam, what do you find? You find the stark contrast between those that were of the transgressions, we get now justification. When we find ourselves in a place where death is reigning, instead with Christ we have abundance of grace. And the transgression of one, through all that he did in bringing condemnation, Christ brings freedom and release. He brings forgiveness. He brings restoration. I like how Thomas Schreiner, he segmented this part of the passage. He he paraphrased it out. And I just want to share this with you. I I found it really neat the way that he kind of just reworded and worked his way through each of these segments. He begins with the understanding in verse 14 that Adam is a type of Christ. And yet the typology functions mainly by way of contrast for Adam's transgression is not like Christ's gift as he says there in verse 15. Instead, in verse 15, we find that for many died through Adam's transgression, while conversely, the grace of God was lavished on many through Jesus Christ. In verse 16, the result that obtained from Christ's gift is dissimilar to the result that is obtained from Adam's sin. For Adam's one sin brought condemnation, while Christ's gift covered many transgressions and brought righteousness. 
But then the question is asked in verse 17, so how do we know that Adam's sin brought condemnation? We know this because death ruled through the transgression of the one man, Adam. But then conversely, we know that Christ's gift, it brought righteousness because those who receive the gift of righteousness through the one man, Jesus Christ, will reign in life. Therefore, because now we're concluding the comparison that's introduced in verse 12. Therefore, just as the transgression of the one man, Adam, brought condemnation to all people, as verse 18 starts, we finish the verse 18, so also the righteousness of the one man, Jesus Christ, brought about the righteousness that leads to life for all people. But verse 19, basically Paul says, let me restate what I just said in verse 18. Through the disobedience of the one man, many were made sinners. And then he finishes verse 19, while through the obedience of the one man, many were made righteous. So which side are you on? Which side of the contrast are you on? You know, that's the beauty of the gospel. The gospel holds you accountable for yourself. The gospel doesn't say you've got to look like this person over here or, or that person over there. Or, you know, you, you've got to try your best to be as religious as they are. The contrast is between what you were born in as a descendant of Adam in condemnation, in judgment, in everything that brings about what we deserve. Now, we deserve death. I deserve to be eternally separated from God. That's the condition I was born into. And that's the first Adam's fault. But I can't blame him for it because I am the beneficiary of what he has given to me. But because of Christ, because Christmas did happen, and because there was an event upon a cross that did happen and transpire, through Jesus Christ, I have now been set free. And I am no longer condemned. So which of the contrasts do you fit under? According to the gospel, to everyone who will believe in what Jesus Christ has done, what he has supplied, and what he is offering, whoever by faith will just simply accept his gift can be saved. So are you still here because of Adam's condemnation? Or do you sit here because of the last Adam's obedience? Because you are free in Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the chosen one, the savior of mankind has come into the world to be what Adam had not been. Where Jesus would obey the requirements of the Father. And the scripture reminds us that he would be adorned with thorns. That he would be nailed to a tree that he would suffer for the suffering and he would become our sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. He would represent the glory of God where man had relinquished that glory. Christ was the last Adam because his existence represented everything the first could not be. And Christmas was that shining moment for the lost of the world where in the darkness, God has sent forth his son as light. And that's what John 1 will pick up on. The light has come into the world and it's shown into their existence and revealed the peace that had come to earth. So Christ became our peace. Christ became our hope. Christ became the redemption 
of all mankind, Adam's children could not be saved from their condemnation, from the eternal consequences of death. But the last Adam would endure that curse for all of mankind. And he became for us Adam's redemption. That is what Christmas set into motion. It was the visible reminder that God so loved the world that he gave to the world his own son, wrapped in flesh and expressed to outcast shepherds, to pompous kings, and to self-righteous religion keepers. Christ came to become our sacrifice. But do you truly know the meaning of Christmas? Do you live the meaning of Christmas? Are you really ready to celebrate Christmas? See, Adam's redemption shows us that God sent the last Adam to model to us this characteristic, a gracious compassion. Filled with grace, having the opportunity to show mercy, which is tied to compassion. The character of Christ is one of grace and mercy, and he gave to us what we did not deserve. He came because we needed mercy. And the first Adam sought to have what was belonging to God, and Christ came to give what only God could offer. And now today we can stand right before God. And that is because of Jesus, the one who was born to save. And what will we name him? His name will be Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Celebrate Christ in the expression of Merry Christmas. And may this carry us not just into a new year, but I hope to the lands that it's going to carry you into eternity. The knowledge of who Jesus Christ is, and not just that he came to be for us representative of our humanity. As Adam was a living soul, Christ is a life-giving spirit. Do you know the real meaning of Christmas? Do you have Adam's redemption this morning? Do you know your sins are forgiven? And that you appreciate what Christ has given to us, the gift that he has given us in his gracious mercy. Let's stand together for a moment of prayer as we close here this morning. Father, I pray that as we make a moment here to pause and to consider and to weigh within our own hearts and minds an understanding of this relationship that we share individually with you. Collectively, as the body of Christ comes together this morning, we, we celebrate what you've done in each one of our lives as we sing these songs and we declare our faith and we, we live it out in the decisions and the choices of our everyday existence. But Lord, we get so enamored with the nasty now and now, this, this place, trying to somehow imagine that it could become something better. But Lord, it is only because of what you give to this world. And one day, there is enough is enough. And this is a time when you will stop being merciful. Lord, I pray that we would live in anticipation of your return. But Lord, may we model your grace and your mercy to us. When we go home today and we finish celebrating our day of Christmas, I pray that there would be such a sober but yet appreciative and yet such a time of celebration because we know that our sins are forgiven. We know 
that one day we will stand before you, not in condemnation, not in judgment, but welcomed. Lord, I pray that every person here knows that to be true of their relationship with you. And if not, Lord, I pray that they would seek someone out before they leave today to talk with, to share with them their greatest need, the need for Christ. Speak, Lord, to our hearts, and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Just a minute, we're going to sing a song, and then we're going to take some time and remember Christ's sacrifice, and that's when we will do the communion together. Our ushers are going to be coming down here in just a minute, and they'll be walking through. If you walked in and say, oh, I didn't see those, and you want to celebrate with us, you want to reflect upon the sacrifice of Christ with us this morning, uh, we have some of these communion cups, that these uh, vessels that we use to, to do that together, and they'll walk through and be glad to to pass those to you as uh, we sing the song here together. So please just get their attention as they walk past your aisle. I hope though that today we will tie this thought together. Adam's redemption to my redemption to where Christ has done something for me as I even take in the bread and the juice and remember what Christ has accomplished. We're gonna sing a song together and may our hearts truly reflect upon the goodness, the mercy of Christ. Thou didst leave thy throne and thy kingly crown when thou camest to earth for me. But in Bethlehem's home was there found no room for thy holy nativity. Oh, come to my heart, Lord Jesus, there is room in my heart for thee. Thou camest, O Lord, with a living word that should set thy people free. But with mocking scorn and with crown of thorn, they bore thee to Calvary. Oh, come to my heart, Lord Jesus, there is room in my heart for Thee. When the heavens shall ring and the choir shall sing at Thy coming to victory, let Thy voice call me home, saying, yet there is room there is room at my side for thee. My heart shall rejoice, Lord Jesus, when thou comest and callest for me. Please be seated. Let's go back to Luke's gospel again. And now we're going to the end of the book, chapter 22. Luke 22 is where we find this event recorded for us. The places where the gospel writers account for it and remind us again of what Christ has done. Matthew, Mark, and Luke do, and then Paul does in 1 Corinthians 11. And reminds us again of what it is that we celebrate as we commemorate and we reflect, we remember what Christ has done. He says there in verse 17, when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I shall not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. 
And then he gets really into the heart of these elements that would represent this event that would take place, moving from a Passover experience to now giving to it significance as a type of what was to come. Now Christ is fulfilling that and he is giving to them understanding. He says here in verse 19, and when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Christmas. This is where the body came from. This is where the blood came from. It's in that moment of conception and that moment leading up to this delivery. We, 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 we ponder and we think about the moment of you know, the, the delivery, but for all those nine months that he had been forming inside of Mary's womb, not stomach, I said that last week and that was a bad thing to say, inside of her womb and now being given opportunity to see life, the giver of life, and now he takes in his humanity and he identifies, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. That little baby grew up and look what he did. As you open this top layer or depending on which type of the cups you have there, wherever you find the bread, go ahead and open that area up and take out that wafer, that piece of bread. As we think about this together as a people, as we celebrate together as the redeemed, the blood-bought, the children of God, those of us who have a testimony that grace has been supplied to our debt, that Christ's blood has been applied to our condemnation, and that we stand righteous in the eyes of God because of Jesus Christ, his body sacrificed for us. If that's true of your life this morning, as we think about what he has said, take it. Eat it. Do this in remembrance of me. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. Jesus, my Lord. He is the mighty King, Master of everything. His name is wonderful, Jesus my Lord. He's the great shepherd, the rock of all ages, almighty God is He. Bow down before Him, love and adore Him. His name is wonderful, Jesus my Verse 20, in the same way he took a cup after they'd eaten, saying, this cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Go ahead and open that area there where the juice is. As we think about what blood represented, life is in the blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. All of this tied to 
what really was at stake. It's about what is life. If man were to give up his blood, it would just be the just dessert. There would be no eternal value. But with Christ giving up his for us, it takes on a substitutionary atonement. It becomes something of value. In his compassion and in his mercy, he gave himself for us. That's love. And so as we think about this morning, when God declared his love for us, he was talking about what his son would do. This is my new covenant to you. This is what I do for you. Take this. Drink you all of it. Let's sing we bow in adoration. We bow in adoration. We bow in adoration. We bow in adoration to Christ the Lord. Father, I pray as we leave this place, we head to our homes, to families. Lord, as we commence into vacation days, into whatever may come, Lord, we anticipate that within a week we will be starting a new year. Lord, there's so many things that are set in motion right here at the end and the beginning. And Lord, a lot of ways this is symbolic of what you did when you came into this world. You had old meet new. The old things passing away, the new things coming. Everything is happening because of what you accomplished in our life. The anticipation of what was dying, the anticipation of something coming to an end, and the newness, the freshness of what it means to have you as our Savior. Lord, I pray that as we walk into these days, as we continue into life, this life that is lived here upon this earth, that we would not forget that we are eternal beings. You've created us for something beyond this place, something to more beautiful, more resplendent, more wonderful than anything that is created here or tainted by sin here. Lord, I'm grateful for the day when you promise us a new heaven, a new earth. But until that day, we live. We live here as free children of God. And Lord, may we not use our liberty for selfish gain. But Lord, may we live so that we can declare you vividly and plainly. And may other people see the babe who became a man who died for sins, who rose again and has promised to them life as well. So speak to our hearts, I pray, and may you be seen. And it's in Christ's name we pray, amen. As you leave this morning, if you would, there are some garbage cans back there in the back. If you could take your cup with you and throw them away for us, that would be a great help. Again, from us to you, we wish you a very Merry Christmas. God bless you, and we will see you, most of you, next year. God bless you. You're dismissed.